Well, as we promised, while Wayne's making his way up here, we live in a very unique time in human history. And probably most of you, how many of you have been touched in some way, shape, or form? Somebody you know, somebody maybe related to you, maybe somebody, for those of you that are a little younger, in school, your neighborhood. How many of you know somebody that is either professed of their own to be homosexual, gay, lesbian, or you know somebody that maybe is, has talked about same-sex attraction. Raise your hands for me. Look around the room. It's a pretty good chunk of all of us, amen? The last couple of years, we've been listening to this, kind of the mantra of, of the gay, lesbian, transgendered um, people in our, in our nation saying that love is love. And tonight, we want to take a little bit of time to have a, a really frank, a really open discussion about homosexuality, about same-sex attraction, um, about what the biblical standards are. And most importantly for me, and I, I believe Pastor Wayne would say the same thing, how do we reach out in love while maintaining the truth? How, how do we, as, as believers maintain a biblical standard where we can take out our Bibles and say, you know what, I believe this cover to cover. And at the same time, not be discriminatory in the way that we view sin. Uh, Wayne, we were talking back behind and, and we were talking about, you know, other types of sin. Um, share, share just a little bit, you know, kind of, kind of what you and I were talking about back there. Yes, this, this is sort of a of a trend right now to speak a lot about and and for people that are you know trying to gain acceptance in it um it's it's a big and important thing in their lives but the people for example who who look at the bible standards and such it can become like um the enemy and and it is true that for all of us sin is an enemy yeah. it it stumbled us and and it brought death but there are many sins and and so it's easy to get on a soapbox about particular sins and um and all sin leads to death mm-hmm. so while I think we do have to meet head on the, um, you know, the, the emphases of our culture, at the same time, our message is the gospel. Amen. Save sinners. Amen. And so we're not here to condemn. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn Amen. the world, but I Amen. came to save it. And... Um, even in John's day when him and James and the disciples were with Jesus and they were going through Samaria who had a wide array of sins and the Samaritans weren't going to let Jesus and the disciples go through. Um, John and James, think of this, the apostle of love, he said, well, um, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and fry these people? And Jesus said, well, 
um, you don't know what spirit you're of. Our ministry really isn't to torch people, but save them. Save them, right? And so we have this incredible message. And like Paul said to the Corinthians regarding homosexuality, regarding fornication, regarding all these different array of sins, such were some of you. But you were saved. You were justified. You were sanctified by the Lord our God. So the Lord loves to save sinners from all all areas. And it's we're in a, a really wonderful opportunity right now because there's a lot of sin Amen. that needs saving. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can look there's at no it in a terrible way or the, we've got some opportunity. Did you install the new sin sniffers uh, <laughs> up at, in Seattle at, at the church doors to... You know, so when like fornicators come in, you can tell. No, no, you haven't gotten that yet. No. We got some software we can sell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we kind of we kind of laugh, don't we? But isn't it true that we kind of have our our peculiar sins? You know, you you have somebody that maybe is a drunk, and and you you let that one slide, or maybe they're living with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. You don't have much to say about it, or maybe. Every other word that comes out of their mouth uh, is something that, that's absolutely atrocious before the Lord. We kind of, in, in our humanness, we classify things that, is, as you were mentioning, Wayne, those, those lists that are in, found in Romans and found in Galatians and, and they're in 1 Corinthians are, in, in computer programming language, they're actually comma-separated value. They, they don't have a specific numerical number like you know, homosexuality is a one. That's like a really disastrous thing. And down here, 10 is anger. They're, they're just listed as things that trouble mankind in their sin. And so we have to be careful. Most of you know, if you attend here, we've been picketed a number of, time by, number of times by the Westboro Baptist Church and some of the horrific signs that, that they carry around that are not true. And let me just be the first to say tonight, God loves homosexuals. God loves people who are struggling with same-sex attraction, just like he loves drunks and liars and thieves and murderers and, and, and such were some of you, right? You know, and so in this room, we, we all had a reason we needed a savior. And for some of us, it was, maybe it was drunkenness and you, you know, you couldn't keep your hands off of other people's stuff. But we have to be careful because I think we as a church, and I mean the church globally, the church in the world are missing an opportunity to, to reach out and to love because as we've been studying in, in 1 Corinthians 13, God wants us to love with agape love and people get confused. There are people in this world right now that are confused. They, they think that shtorga, that they, they experience this friendship is all that love is or they think that eros, that sexual love, is all there is, or they think that the phileo, that that deep friendship is all there is to love, but there's a deeper love, and we as the body of Christ know what that love is. And so tonight, Amy, you ready? Would you share your testimony with us and kind of what the Lord's done in your life? And Pops, this is daughter, father, husband, and uh, we're going to have a little, little chat. So uh, I came, we came last year and I shared a, a short testimony. And so for me, you know, I grew up um, in the church, grew up as a pastor's kid and just, man, you know, I, the Lord touched my heart at a young age, you know, probably five or six. And I was very 
very tender to, to God's call in my life, I would say. And, but I knew I had this, you know, rebellion, you know, sin took its root in my heart at a young, at a young age. And as I look back, I'm just like, wow, I was a totally rebellious little girl. I just like detested the being labeled into a Christian bubble and just having Christian friends. I just wanted to like get out and experience things. And, you know, I just had that like unrest in my heart, you know, for, um, my own flesh, you know, versus what God, God had for me. And so, you know, this became a struggle for me. Um, when I look back on my life, I mean, I can even think back to like young ages of having same sex attraction and, um, kind of being confused about like who I was and what my identity was and, um, just having, you know, feelings towards friends that I had. And a lot of it was emotional for me, you know, as a girl and just those friendships. And then, you know, you kind of have different thoughts about it. And so it kind of took, um, it evolved and I got into my first same sex relationship when I was probably 15 and it was with somebody that, um, I was on the same team with, I played basketball. I was a really big sports. I, well, basketball was my main sport and I, I pretty much did it all the time, you know, so it was a huge part of my life. I had a lot of goals wrapped up in that. And, um, so with that, you know, you're spending a lot of time with people and, um, specifically your teammates. And so for me, it was, it just kind of happened. Like it kind of comes, you know, when you just feel tempted by something, it just kind of comes in your head and you just don't know, you didn't ask for it to come. It just happened. And obviously you're in a situation where it's really, like growing because of the situation that you're in, like the people that you're around, the kind of time you're spending with people. And so, um, that was a big thing for me. And, um, you know, from that point, I ended up struggling with, um, same sex relationships from pretty much 16 all the way up through, through past college and, or through college and, and God, you know, I never, I never walked away from the Lord. Like I never turned my back and said, Oh, I'm not a Christian. I'm you know, but I always, always, always had a lot of conviction about it. Like even when I was really wrestling and wondering if I was gay and like, okay, this must be it for me because, you know, I really tried, you know, dating guys or, you know, and I had boyfriends and stuff, but you know, really the, the emotional part, it kind of just, you know, and sin's just like that sin just kind of comes in and it makes you feel like, wow, this is like a part of who I am. Like, and even when you're convicted about it, you're kind of confused thinking that, but if this is so, if comes so natural to me, you know, it's not, not as much maybe like, like drugs or alcohol where you can see how that's destroying your life when it comes to relationships and emotions and feelings, you know, those can really get mixed up with like your identity search. You know, it's not as obvious that, oh, this is hurting me and this is hurting my relationship with God. But over time, you know, I couldn't, um, I couldn't reconcile it. You know, the peace that God gives, um, is nothing like the satisfaction that sin gives you in that time. And so, um, I came, I really, I really battled it. You know, I fought it. It was, a uh, um, something that I knew that I wanted to walk away from, but I just, I just couldn't, I just kind of was stuck in it and I would get, um, I mean, I could, but I didn't want to, I should say. So I should make that clear. We always have a good choice of whether or not we want to stay in something. And that's, that's a big deal as well with relationships. I think people a lot of times make the excuse like, Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't help who I love. Yeah, you can. I I have a choice. Like 
this is my husband and I chose to marry him and I choose to love him. Sometimes I do a bad job, but I choose every day to, to love, (laughs) to love him, you know? And so for me that it came down to, you know what, am I really going to repent from this? Am I going to allow the Lord to work in my heart about it? Or am I just going to say, you know, God, I can't really change it. And, um, so I came to that I mean, I came to a point of honestly desperation because I, I just felt really empty about it. I knew very plain and clear that I wanted to walk away. But, um, and so I remember a conversation with my dad, you know, after I had, I'd stumbled, you know, after a a long time of victory and just, you know, I was doing well. And, and isn't that true too about sin? You just feel Mm -hmm. you're doing so good, but it really has become about your own strength and about how can I, you know, I, how can I, you know, push this sin out of my life? But the reason why we have victory over sin is because of what God, Jesus did for us. Amen. That's the only way I have true victory anyway. Amen. I know it's true. And, um, so once I really came to that realization that I just had to surrender and just, obviously it was a daily, a daily surrender at times. And then as time went on, you know, I got a lot more victory in my heart, um, you know, changed in a way where, just my, my relationship with that struggle changed, you know, um, a lot of good accountability, a lot of healthy boundaries, you know, in my life and a lot of depending on the Lord and and confessing to him. And then, and then, you know, surely he just, he just changes your heart towards it. You know, I wouldn't say, I say, I think a lot of frustration from people on the other end is that, oh, it's just something, this disease I need to be healed from. That's just not true. It's just another temptation that we have you know, that comes into our hearts. And, and the way that the Lord delivers us from that is when we just confess to him, when we just ask for his forgiveness and, and repent, he, he delivers us, you know, consistently as we do that. And you might still struggle with a specific thing, but that doesn't mean that, um, you haven't been delivered. You know, the Lord always gives us freedom to flee and the strength and power to flee our temptations and to walk away. And then obviously the tools with God's family and just, um, his word and, you know, how he works in our life to give us, you know, true victory over stuff. And it might be a long battle. And so, and then, you know, for me, um, it was all about finding an identity and contentment in him, you know, in him first and foremost, that no relationship, you know, even though I had it in my heart to get married and, and, um, have kids and, and have a family and, and, you know, be in the, be in God's will for my life. I knew that I had to find contentment in him. Like, you know, and so before me and Dan got married, before we ever met, you know, I pretty much had to come to a point and say, you know what, if I never get married, if I, if God never provides a man for me, I'm going to have to be okay with that. I'm going to have to w- still walk in his will and, and, um, you know, choose to die to myself and different temptations I have. I'm going to have to make that choice, even if God doesn't provide that for me, what I think is a big desire of my heart. And that's a hard thing, you know, with our sins, we have to when we get rid of something, like, we can't just think like, oh, God's just going to, it's just going to be all beautiful because God's going to make my life great after that. Sin is, this life is a battle, you know, and walking with God wasn't promised to be easy. You know, it's a, um, it's also a choice, you know, daily that we, that we make um, to follow him and to, to be a disciple of his. And so, um, you know, thankfully, the Lord, you know, brought someone into my life where it was real and it was a real love and a real attraction and a real, um, relationship. And, you know, now we've been married almost seven years and God has given me, you know, 
different opportunities to share about this. And I think it's just really key because, um, we're, we're in a time where hearts are being stolen away from the Lord. Um, and it's not always over super destructive things. That's why I think this issue itself is actually, it is different in a way because people are building their lives around these things and building families, you know, in this way. And, and it's hard who would want to give that up when they feel that they found something that is just for them. And, and that's where God's love has to penetrate even deeper, you know, or, or to even, to even reach people, we have to, you know, be in their lives and have, have that heart of, you know, really seeing God's love and God's spirit, um, change and work and restore and redeem, um, this issue to bring people back, you know, or to even come to know him or people that have left the faith to come back. You know, it's, it's just a prime time for prayer, you know, for pursuit, for, for bonding together as, as a community, just to, just to love, like, people like we've never loved them before. You know, there's a lot of sin and that means we got to come back at it with way more love and only God's love can do this. I mean, my love can't even break down any walls like this. So, Amen. Wayne, why don't you, why don't you share what it was like for you and for Kathy to, to get that news, you know, Amy grows up in the church, pastor's daughter. Yeah. You know, in the course of raising your children, Um, there's going to be interesting conversations that you have to have. And I remember even at um, five, six, seven years old, like Amy said, she, she saw herself as a tomboy and she was very, very athletic and and excelled and um, really enjoyed um, these kinds of things and I mean, even wanted to play football, even tackle football. And I, I forbid her from. I would have been so good, though. <laughs> she would have been good, but I didn't want any guys tackling her. You know what I mean? Yeah, really. So I forbade that. But anyway, so she came to me one time when she was like six and she said, Dad, I, I want to be a boy. So what do you say to that? And I said this. I said, why do you think that? And she said, well, boys have all the fun. She said, they get to do all the fun stuff. And I don't really want to dress dolls all day. You know, I don't want to, you know, do ballet. I want to play basketball. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you know what I said? I said, "Hon, you're good at playing basketball. You're good at sports. You, you can do these things. It's okay. That isn't what makes a boy. You're a girl and you're good at those things. It's okay. It's not a problem. Not everybody is the same. But you make a lovely, amazing girl who's great at basketball. It's all right. And so that, that was kind of a first thing. We talked over little things like that. Her, her older brother was her closest friend. And, and so she looked up to him. So that was an example. But you know... What the devil's trying to do, he, Jesus said, he's the father of lies. Yeah, man. And you know what he thrives on? Confusion. Yeah. Right now, our culture and our society yeah. in America is so confused because he's lied and deceived and confused people into thinking, because I feel this way and that way, then that makes me this or that. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. And, and a lot of times people will say, 
How do you know if you're gay? How do you know if you're this or that? I say, you can't even know who you are or what you were born for until you know the one who made you. Amen. You can only know when you get to know the one who made you. And so we had talks like that, you know, and, but a big one was getting the news and, and Amy, you know, she, she was afraid like a lot of people struggling with this and that to, to open up and say, I mean, think of it in a pastor's house and in a, in a church that's, you know, got all these people and everything. And, and to come to me and say, dad, I'm, I've been doing this. I mean, she didn't want to do that. And, and yet in the, again, just to emphasize in the surroundings that she had, this was more prominent than, than, than um, heterosexual sexuality. In, in high-level sports with women, this is very, very prominent. And so this was something that was introduced, and um, we all love basketball. We, we're like, this is, and, and where I think I struggled a little bit is I wasn't alert to what was going on because in one sense, I was living vicariously through her because she was so good. And I was just into the basketball, but not seeing what was going on in kind of relationships. And I, I, I was clueless. So when one of her friends, who's a Christian, you know, came and told us, I was like, why? It was a shock. And so I think, if I would have been more godly or more tuned in to just her heart and her walk with God, but you understand, she always loved God along the way. She accepted the Lord like 50 times as a kid. She held the record in our church, you know? (laughs) Anyway, now, when we found out, at first the very first reaction was not not very good. Not very good. We mm-hmm. we just talked and we were kind of real, you know, almost like a third degree at first. Mm-hmm. And then and then we her her brother spoke up and he did a great job actually of just saying, hun, we're with you. We all said that. We're with you no matter what happens. We did that. But then after that first encounter, we went away and I was just praying. I was praying about it. And I was tempted in my mind to be, to be like judgmental mm-hmm. and harsh and, and say, this is so wrong. And, and just, you know, that sort of thing. And when I was praying and asking God about that, it's like he grabbed me by the nap of my neck. And he said, you idiot, don't you dare come and be harsh towards your daughter. What you need to do right now is you need to understand her. And I want you to show mercy to her and love and assure her that you're going to love her no matter what. And then as you care for her and understand her, she's going to open her heart. Now you have to understand, we had constant talks about everything. And so we actually continued that. Now, in the early stages, she was recruited by Oregon, so she played for Oregon. 
down in, you know, Eugene. And so it was hard to stay in touch, but we did. Went to every game, we called, we talked all the time. But then when she transferred back to Seattle Pacific and they actually went to the national championship twice, I have to throw that in because I love basketball. But anyway, all right. Tell them you're still mad about the whole Seattle Supersonics thing. I am. I'm bitter towards Howard Schultz. Boycott um, Starbucks. No, I don't do it. I, I go there, but... Anyway, okay. What are we talking about tonight? Oh, yeah. So when she came back to Seattle, we, we got together at least once, maybe twice a week over lunch. And we talked. And you know what she was saying? Yeah. She did. She, she poured out her heart. She told me every little thing. I, I wanted to know. And, and, you know, my heart was broken. But mm. I, the Lord said, don't preach. But when she shares that she's really sad about something or something's going wrong or something, just assure her that God has great things for her. And so I did. I said, "Hun, you know, I feel sad about what you're saying, but I know God cares for you. He really is going to help you. And that was it. You know, we kind of went like that, you know, on it. It just happened so many times. And for some reason, the boundaries had not been, you know, they, they just didn't hold for her. And, and so that's one big thing, you know, that the Lord showed her after she made her decision. But I will just say this one more thing. Just be understanding, kind of talk through things. Don't try to force this or that. Because like she said, only Jesus can change the heart. Yeah. But you can, through love, soften the heart. Yeah, with God's help and then pray, 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 pray. And, and God really did a work. Um, yeah, just after a while, I mean, I, I'd really like her to, to tell, see, she accepted the Lord and it was, you're actually four years old, four years old, first first time. time. And then five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, you know, (laughs) on and on. She had such a tender heart towards God. Even in the midst of all this, she would come and cry to me and say how sorry she was. But there was one thing. Her knowledge and experience with God is what brought her back. She could not push him out of her life. You should, you should tell that. That, that was, tell that part, babe. Yeah, I mean, I think... You guys know that feeling when you're really lonely and you're really depressed. Um, so I moved away and to play basketball after college overseas in um, Europe. I played in Holland for a year and I was away from everybody that I knew and my parents. And I just remember being there and like basically stripped of all my com- comforts, you know, from home. And I was just feeling, I was, I was doing well, you know, I was walking with the Lord, but I just felt so, I, I just knew that the Lord needed to fill my heart more. And, and, um, you know, the, when sin kind of, for me, when sin steals your heart away from God, I just get like, you can be doing good. It's kind of like when you go out partying, you go out and you do something and then you regret it the next morning. That's how I felt in this struggle. Like I would be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, 
this this is what I want to be doing. And then, like, I'd be alone and just I'd feel so sad, like almost despairing, like wondering if God was close to me anymore. And, and it was because of what I was doing. You know, he was right there, and I, yeah. I knew I still could talk to him, but I just felt so, like, I was just allowing this to take my soul from him. Like that's how deep it was. And that's why this issue is so important because these are the core desires of our heart that we're dealing with the core, you know, just this, this issue in general embodies, you know, something that we're extremely is extremely important to us. You know, look at, you know, building a family and having kids and being in love and loving your family. That's the, that is what stems from this part of your identity. And that's why it's such a big thing right now. And, and we're all broken, you know, we're all broken in terms of our sexuality and just our humanity. But, you know, God wants to restore the brokenness in this area, you know, and bring people back to him. There's so many ways that this area can um, take people away from the Lord with their lusts and temptations and things outside of, you know, what God has created sexuality to be. And um, so for me, it was just like, there's just no way I was going to turn my back on God. I mean, I was doing it, but I was, there, there was something in me that um, just had that kind of resolute, um, I'm not going to allow my heart to harden towards God pretty much. And, and so, um, I'm just thankful that God allowed me to not do that. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And and my wife, Kathy, she was up early every morning praying her heart out every single day. She prayed her heart out. It was really harder for her to talk about it. Um, it was a little closer to home in a certain way. And so Amy and I talked about it a lot and it was harder for Kathy, but her and I talked and and she prayed. She was the prayer warrior and it's God that pulled Amy out of the fire. I mean, it's just amazing. And, but one thing I will say, lead your kids to the Lord at a young age and, and help them have experiences with God. Cause that is the thing that's going to grab them. And if they're already involved in, some of these confusing things, try to bring him into a relationship with God. Now, we all understand that to have a relationship with God, you must confess your sin and believe in Jesus. We understand that. But if you can present Jesus and who he is and why he came and that we all need him, and it's not, this is the big sin, you got to, you know, and just always harping on that. But you just say, you need Jesus, just like I need Jesus. And, And kind of extol Jesus. Oh, brother, you know, you know how he's the light of the world? Yeah. Bugs are going to come to him. Yeah, they're going to come. They're going to go, I need you too, you know, and then he saves them from something they didn't think they need saving from because he shows them what right and wrong is. Amen. So it's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Amy, I I know a little bit of, of my story. So my parents divorced when I was about 11 years old, um, went back and forth. I went to six different schools in the fourth grade and ended up culminating with my, with my mom um, marrying the guy that she had had an affair with. And so there was this 
you know, just devastation that happened in our family. And so eventually ended up living with my dad. My dad um, then turns around and marries, marries another lady and we're living in this house. I, I now have um, five new brothers and sisters. Um, so there's eight kids living in a 1,200 square foot house, um, no privacy whatsoever. And so we didn't ever want to be home. And I was kind of, I was, I was the opposite, Amy, of you. I was kind of the compassionate, the compassionate guy um, that actually, you know, really cared very deeply for other people. Um, I was actually good at sports, but for me, it was more like I, I just had empathy. And so I befriended this girl that went to our to middle school. So I'm now um, 12, going 13 years old. And at the time, we still hadn't quite eradicated polio. The vaccine came out in 55, and there were still people that were born with polio, and she happened to wear the leg braces. If some of you that are a little older remember when people had polio would still wear those braces, and you can imagine what that does to a, to a very young preteen girl. And so I had befriended her, ended up you know, being pretty close friends, went over to her house, and unbeknownst to me, her brother... Um, who was five years older than her, um, was a gay man. And so, you know, he came in and um, basically what ultimately ended up happening was he was going to tell my parents that I was gay and that I was a homosexual unless, unless I allowed him to rape me, um, which he did um, several times. And so I'm thinking, you know, how can I how can I tell my family this? You know, what do I say to my dad who's, you know, third generation military? Um, you know, we, we, we grew up in the era where, you know, a real man put Marlboros in his sleeve and, you know, you, you didn't use actually the English language. It was um, sailor's language. Forgive me if you're in the Navy. My whole family is Navy. Um, so I, I'm thinking, you know, how do, how do I do this? And I began to wonder, you know, is there something wrong with me? You know, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to tell my parents. Now, I, did, I didn't even know how to say that. And so I buried that. And what that became in me was anger. Just this insane, um, insatiable anger to where I would fight anyone for any reason. Um, but it was all because of these feelings that I had. It's like, is this normal? Is this something that's supposed to happen to somebody like me? And so I remember the fear and, and I had not yet given my life to the Lord. That happened about a year later. So my only reference point um, was all this craziness that had gone on. So when I began to process that without the Lord, mm-hmm. I had no way to process those feelings. And so I, I was sitting there listening to your story, and I, and I could remember the thoughts of, you know, who do I, how can I share this with anybody? Because during that day and time, you're, you're talking about the, the middle 1960s. Um, if, some, if a man was known to have had any that, you were going to get a beat down. Somebody was going to just beat you to a pulp. Um, so, so for me, it was, it was fear. It was the fear that someone might even think um, that, that you know, I had those types of tendencies, which I actually didn't. But I wasn't sure. And, and I was so afraid of what would happen with my parents. I thought, well, maybe it'd be better if I just was that, which, which I wasn't and didn't. 
But I remember thinking those thoughts. So was fear a big thing for you? What people would think? And, you know, how did you process that? Yeah, I mean, wow. Thank you for your transparency. And, um, yeah, that was, well, I didn't tell my parents. My friend did, like my dad said. And I lied for, like, I don't know, four years about it. And I think it was, yeah, fear of what people would think of me or just fear of, um, you know, rejection or fear of people not loving me anymore or fear of getting found out. You know, a lot of different fears went through my head, um, you know, before I was more transparent about it. And um, a lot of freedom came through, you know, honesty for me. That was obviously Mm -hmm. a huge piece. And um, I think only, you know... Love, you know, God's yeah. love can drive out fears and, and his true forgiveness to help you realize, like, I don't have anything to be afraid of. Like, the fear that's holding me back is this, what is associated with this sin. It's not from God, you know, these fears, um, this condemnation, you know, that I that I placed on myself. And, um, you know, whatever it was that kept me from from being honest about it, which, you know, without honesty, you cannot... You cannot process something, you know, unless you're real about it and you cannot work through it. You cannot grow from it. You can't really experience forgiveness from anything that you've done, you know, um, in regards to a sin struggle with the Lord. And yeah, that played a big part in my younger years. And then I remember that that broke a lot of friendships, um, just me just being dishonest. And once I realized the weight of of that, which is a whole separate sin issue in itself, um, lying and just being dishonest, I really changed. And, and, and that brought me a lot of freedom, um, just in my honesty. And then obviously since that, you know, the Lord has allowed me to just be bold and, and share about, about this, you know, in hopes that, you know, other people will feel encouraged. And then also people that are struggling currently will feel the, the pressing of the Lord to, um, you know, just like, we think it's just, oh, all these issues are all over social media and people talk about this stuff all the time. It's still hard to be honest about something you're struggling with. It's not just easy, you know, and so we need to feel the courage that God, um, God wants us to come in the light, you know, with this stuff. God wants us to, um, you know, open our hearts to him and not just be, he wants our relationship with him to be real, which in turn, um, means him knowing us and the depths of our hearts and, you know, the sin that is keeping us from him to truly cover that with his blood. And, and so we can have freedom and forgiveness. You know what I think is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. And it has to do with being made in the image of God is his, he gives us free will. He gives us the ability to choose. In fact, I believe that, that the whole thing of him making us in his image and wanting a relationship gave us the freedom to sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could have chosen yeah. to obey him. Adam and Eve could have chosen to eat from the tree of life first and live forever or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and fall and, and reap death. They made the wrong choice. Now, the crazy thing is when, when you become then a fallen person, and we were all born in sin, yep. 
We were born with a fallen nature because of Adam's sin. Because Romans 5 is clear that when he sinned, we all sinned. And the whole nature of man became fallen. And like David said, I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And, and so he ended up doing the things that he did, even though he was a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. Right? What, you know what happens because of sin? You actually lose freedom to choose. You don't really have freedom to choose because sinners sin. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's where the human race is at. We're sinners. We are born fallen and everyone will sin. And you will, unless you come to Jesus and he forgives you and gives you a new life in him, in Christ and gives you the Holy Spirit, you don't have the power to not sin. Now, here's the beauty. When someone is being drawn towards the Lord or being drawn back to the Lord, you can feel the Holy Spirit working in their life and drawing them back. So you have an opportunity to show them who Jesus is and what he wants to do for them. That's what happened to Amy. You know, she, she kept wanting to come back. Like, it was, like she said, it was hard for her to give it up. Because sin is hard to give up. But then once she had tasted the Lord, she knew that God was good and that Jesus was her savior. So once she put her life back in his hands, he pulled her right in and and began to save her. Now, save her from that, that kind of bondage and eventually give her great freedom from that. But here's another thing. And I'd like to share with Dan. Uh, kind of bring Dan into the conversation yeah, yeah. If, if we could a little bit. Sure. This guy, I could, I could seriously go over and kiss his feet right now. I mean it. I love this guy. Now, he sang a song earlier, and his background was a lot like mine. I, I was raised by a raging alcoholic, and, and my dad didn't leave my mom, but, but he left us emotionally, and he, he abused her, and He hurt our family so bad. In the end, he came to Christ and gave his life to the Lord. So I'm thankful for that. But I had that kind of a a life. So it really, I was an angry young man that God called to be a pastor. And, but it took me a long time, even as a pastor before he took away all that anger in my life. And I'm so thankful. And, you know, Sanctification is an ongoing prof- process. Please pray for me. You know, um, but anyway, as far as Dan, I could see Amy starting to come. She wanted what God wanted. Kind of a dream of her little girlhood was to get married and have children. You know, that was a dream. The Lord reminded her of that. Anyway, about that same time, Dan was graduating from our Bible college. And he was one of my favorite students because he was so diligent and he got A's and he was athletic and he was just this great guy. And he was almost like we were becoming like, you know, I was like a father figure a little bit with him and and it's grown. And so anyway, um, I thought to myself, wow, man, Amy would love this guy. (laughs) That's what I I was thinking, man. 
Now, hey, you guys believe in arranged marriages, right? Yeah. Anyway, God arranged it. Not me, not Wayne. But Kathy and I liked the idea. <laughs> but what we did, I think I told you this story last time. I said, Amy, you got to meet this guy. And she goes, oh, and I told her a little bit about him. She goes, well, yeah, what, what do you think? And I said, well, let's all go to a movie. And she said, that's weird. <laughs> but we did. <laughs> they became friends. And then it was, it's just a cool story. But Dan came in to her life and Dan, you had a bit of a hard time at first and then kind of maybe tell a little bit of your story briefly. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to challenge us to always keep our heart open to people that may, we might have a hard time keeping our heart open to. Mm-hmm. Keep your heart open to love and to maybe go against some of your own, your own thoughts or your own maybe promises you made to yourself. So I kind of, I was raised, like Wayne was saying, I, I was raised by a single mom. My dad was um, not in my life from like age six on. And so I was, you know, raised in the church, kind of a goody two shoes, kind of like Wayne. So a little bit legalistic, you know, and I remember telling myself that I would never marry someone who had, you know, had sex or been with another man. I would never marry or date a girl who had not been pure her whole life. And, you know, that's legalistic because obviously I, you know, growing up and throughout my whole life, I'd struggled with lust and impurity. So, you know, just because I hadn't had sex with a woman didn't mean I wasn't pure. But, um, I kind of had that mindset that I wanted this perfect, like Christian woman. And, you know, I didn't have my heart open to anything else. And then I, you know, met Amy and found out she had been with guys and girls. So I was like, Oh, (laughs) I want to just throw this out the door. I'm done with this. I'm not even going to give it a chance, (laughs) but we had such a sweet friendship that I told you it was going to be honesty evening. (laughs) (laughs) We had such a sweet friendship and, we had, you know, had this ministry we were starting and writing songs together. And I just really had a heart for her that it would have been completely stupid for me to do that. It would have been outside of God's will, I believe. And I would have totally missed out, you know, on something great that God had for me. And, um, he kind of softened my heart and helped me to see my own sin too. And not just, you know, think I was some pure, perfect, you know, Christian boy, because I wasn't. Um, even though I'd never had a girlfriend and I had, you know, waited for the one and that ended up being Amy, um, and kind of sidetracking a little bit too. I, I also saw, thought at a certain time that I could never be a friend, you know, be a close friend with a gay guy. It's like, how would that ever work out? And we actually just bought a house two years ago next to a gay couple. And I'm not kidding. He's like one of my best friends now. <laughs> he's like this older guy and he's, super sweet. He loves my boys. He gives them gifts. He's just the sweetest guy. We're kind of working on him. We, we're, we've been trying to get him to church, and but most of all, just loving him and keeping an open heart. And I think we, it's kind of an example of just like a legalistic, you know, closed-hearted church is, you know, if we're just don't keep our, our heart open to loving the people around us and loving the people that we don't want to love, you know, we're going to miss out big time on awesome things God has for us. And in this case, going back to our relationship, um, I had to accept some of that hurt because I was personally hurt by her past. And, um, you know, God just showed me that, you know, he has a plan and to trust him and to not let that, you know, make me down or make me you know, feel sad. But he's going to he's going to work it out and that it's, it's going to be good. So I just had to trust God and, and let him lead us in our relationship. And so it's kind of yeah. weird. It's kind of weird how we always 
kind of put ourselves in Hosea's position when most of us are actually his wife. Isn't that, isn't that true? You know, and, and maybe it's not in sexual sin or, you know, it might, you, you may have your own personal brand of brokenness that, that you would say, well, I'm not like that. But, but in fact, we're all wayward. We're all rebellious. We all do sin. In case you didn't know, your Bible says that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you're the one that doesn't think you have, you actually have because you're prideful and arrogant. That, um, you know, see, you, amen? Amen. You know, this is super healthy for us, church. And here's why. Because when you can love people who are broken, you can love you. Because you, we're all broken. You know, the church is really a hospital that's filled with sick people helping sick people. Amen? <laughs> Isn't it true? Yeah. You know, it's like we're all wandering around. Okay, you be the doctor today because I need help, and tomorrow I'll be the... We're, we're all helping each other. And, and we, we miss the opportunity. And, and let me be really clear here. This is not acceptance of that which God doesn't accept. This isn't saying sin's okay. This is saying broken people need love. Broken people don't need a tongue lashing. They don't need a beat down. They already got that from the world. That's, that's why they're generally broken. People who are broken normally have a reason for their brokenness. People don't wake up in the morning and go, geez, you know, I'd just like to destroy my life today. We, we have those things in our lives that we're susceptible to. Uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews calls those things besetting sins. You know, those things which keep us from running the race, hold us back. And for some of you in here, that's unforgiveness. You're just as trapped in your unforgiveness as maybe a, a, a gay or a lesbian person would be trapped in their, in their sexual sin. You're, you're just as dominated by that unforgiving heart. Or you're just as dominated by anger, past hurts. And the results of those things can be devastating were it not for the love of God. It's the love of God that leads people, men, to repentance. We have to maintain God's standards, of course. But it's up to us the measure of love that we have in maintaining those standards. As we've been sharing this this study as we go through 1 Corinthians 13, remember the context of 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's the most... Uh, it is the most often misinterpreted chapter in the entire Bible because the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is spiritual giftedness. That's what Paul's saying. The most excellent way is love. And he's talking about someone who's really gifted spiritually. And so we're, we're quick to say that the really gifted spiritual person is the person who's never had a homosexual relationship. Or, you know, that, that's, you know, they must be really spiritual because they don't have that sin in their life. And Paul said you could have all these other things. You could speak in tongues, prophesy, and do all this stuff. But if you don't have love, you're as a noisy gong. You're, you're a noise that's irritation to the ears of the person who hears it. And I think what's happened is the church has become so doctrinally correct that we think in our doctrinal correctness it's okay to beat people. It's okay to trash them. It's okay to to further destroy them so that the enemy can lie to them and tell them something that's not true, like they have no worth to God. They're outside of God's, outside of God's reach. That's Did I share one story yeah, on that? Of it's amazing. And it'll just be brief, but 
my wife, Kathy, I hope you get to meet her in the back. She's by the book Where table. Where is she anyway? She's, she'll be by the book table. She's got our little, our ninth grandchild. We have 10, but our ninth, he's number nine. I'm not bitter. But anyway. Uh, I think I actually need to go get him because he needs to nurse. So. Okay. Oh, honey. See you guys go in the it. back. Is it like guys' time now? This is such, we this wrap is this such up, an awesome story. They'll, they'll leave oh, if we don't finish. Well, yeah, we're almost done. Okay. I just wanted to tell you this. My wife, Kathy, was a twin, a fraternal twin, and her and her brother, and most of his life, he was gay. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I met Kathy, and she, she had gotten saved, and, and so... We were growing in friendship. She was growing in Christ. I was, I'd been a Christian most of my life. And, and so I was talking to her and he called me divine, the perpetrator of divine Wayneism. Because <laughs> I was leading a lot of the students to Jesus. Anyway, so we talked and, and he said, well, what does God think about me being gay? And, and I, I know I'm gay. And so what do you do? I mean, and I said, well, you know, I think you need to meet your maker so you can ask him what you are. And he'll let you know. But he loves you. He really cares for you. So every once in a while, we'd have a little talk, and it was great. We, you know. But anyway, he always pushed it away, always didn't want to talk. Well, anyway, then he contracted AIDS. And he was living in the Bay Area. And it came down, and he, for a long time, he hid it from us, from us all, the whole family. And, and then it came to where he was on his deathbed. And so we all found out he had AIDS real bad. It was coming to the end. Amy immediately got an airline ticket and flew down. She was the first one there. She went into his room and she had him all to herself for that whole evening and the next day. And she just began talking to him about God's love for him. And he said, could God possibly love me after I've lived a life like this? He began to realize he needed God. But he said, could he possibly love me for what I've done? And Kathy told her the story of the prodigal son who had left and spent all his, his, his inheritance and wasted it on loose living and how that he lived with the pigs. And then he came home and how the father... And he said, now this is God. The father ran to him and welcomed him and gave him a new robe and and royal shoes and clothing. And she said, in the Bible, this is God because of what Jesus did. And she explained what Jesus did. And then she said, if you ever want to accept Jesus, say this prayer. So she began praying. He prayed every word after her. She didn't ask him to. He prayed every word right after her. And, and, she, and at the end, she said, you know, are, why did you pray after me? Because I'm praying that now. <laughs> I want Jesus. Yeah. I don't want to wait till, you know, sometime. He gave his life over to Jesus and died two weeks later. Yes, the Lord loves people. <laughs> loves people. Family, it's getting late. We could probably go on for another hour or two. 
But I think it's important for us to, to close this way. God loves sinners. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came because God loves lost and broken and hurting people. It is not our job as the church to determine who is so broken that they might possibly be someone whom God would not love because the Bible says God is unwilling, unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God's heart for every homosexual, God's heart for every liar, God's heart for every drunkard, God's heart for every thief, God's heart for every bitter person and angry person, God's heart for those who are covetous to a fault and do we not live in the most covetous society in the world? God's heart towards all sin, every flavor of it, is that we would repent and know his love and be restored to a right relationship with exactly what Pastor Wayne was saying, the one who made us and knows why he created us. The Bible says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. God has a plan. To find that plan, people need to find the Savior. And when they find the Savior, it is the Savior's job to do the saving. And then the sinner becomes a saint. And then that process of sanctification begins. And God works out those details. It is our job to be patient and kind while the Lord is working out those details in other people's lives. It is not our job to be the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin and of righteousness. And so my encouragement to you is, if you know someone who's struggling with same-sex attraction, you know someone who professes even to be gay, what, what better opportunity is for you than to say, Lord, I'm going to make it my goal to show them the most extravagant love that they will ever know by telling them about Jesus. And you let the Lord do the changing. You let the Lord do the shaping. You let the Lord do the molding. You let the Lord do the convicting. You love on them. And speak the truth in love. Amen. Close this in prayer. Amen. I mm-hmm. I would love to pray too a little Amen. prayer, much like Kathy did with her her brother. If any of you here don't have this kind of Amen. deep, rich friendship with God, please pray with me. Pray this prayer from your heart. If if this is if you feel the Lord just calling you and tugging you into this relationship, pray with me. Just right where you're seated. In fact. Let's all pray this prayer. You pray it after me, would you, out loud? And all those that want to give their lives to Christ in the sense you don't have this friendship with God yet, you pray with us, okay? Pray with us. Okay, let's say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. 
Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Please forgive me of the things that I've done that are wrong. Please forgive me of the things that I've done that are wrong. Thank you that you shed your blood to forgive me. Thank you that you shed your blood to forgive me. Wash my sins away in your blood. Wash my sins away in your blood. Make me a child of God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And show me this relationship of love that I can have. Show me this relationship of love that I can have. Give me a hunger to know your word, the Bible. Give me a hunger to know your word, the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. And dear God, I thank you for this congregation. I pray that you will bless them. Thank you for their zeal and their heart for people. And Lord, continue to pour out your spirit on this church. And may they continue to have a growing awakening, Lord, that spreads throughout this region, Lord. Mm. It's so exciting to see what you're doing in this church. And I pray that you continue to pour out your spirit and your love, Lord, as they become these channels and these instruments of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God for salvation. Thank you for them. And we just pray your rich blessing upon this church in your precious name. Amen. Amen and amen. amen.